Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. It is fall, it is October, and the Mariners are in the playoffs. Woohoo! <laughs> so exciting. I uh, was telling someone this morning that when that happened the, uh, the other night, I yelled loudly, even though some of my children were asleep. Praise the Lord. It's exciting. Well, uh, I'm glad to, to be uh, together this morning, and I don't know about you, I just had a sense of the Holy Spirit, just even as we were worshiping, I, was, I loved those songs, and I just, I, I really, I think the Lord was just really speaking to my heart, uh, uh, just the idea of hungering for Him, and that we know, uh, even through what we've been looking at in the, in the story of David, that the Lord is faithful to be with us day by day, moment by moment, when we need Him, when we're seeking Him, uh, whether we're focused on Him or not, He is with us, amen? And I think He's with us this morning, and I'm thankful for that sense of the Spirit today. Well, we've covered a lot in the, uh, in the story of King David over the past several weeks, uh, but the fun thing about the story of David is there's a lot more to learn from. We've, kind of, we've covered a lot of time in his life and some really cool moments, but there's a lot uh, more to his story. Last week, we kind of paused uh, at the moment of David's coronation as king over all of Israel, not just one of the tribes, but all 12 tribes of Israel. A very important moment in his life, a very important moment in the, uh, in the nation of Israel, and a very important moment for the rest of the story of Scripture. We highlighted the change that happened in David. We, we kind of, we talked about this young person uh, who was faithful uh, and then kind of, you know, had some of these seasons where he chose his own way and was not as faithful, but we marked the transformation in David's life as he follows God. Um, And that a growing faith is possible, like a seed that turns into a much larger plant over time. And I, I hope that we were encouraged by seeing that in David's life and realizing that happens in our life as well. Well, today what I'd like to do is take a closer look at the passage that we kind of paused on last week, uh, because there are a few significant elements uh, in this coronation passage that shape the heart of David, uh, but that, and that ultimately find their expression in a moment that Jesus has with his disciples, and these elements carry to you and me today. So it's really cool, this passage uh, that we see here Uh, in the coronation of David. It's really exciting stuff. And I love how scripture forms us as we follow the way of Jesus. So uh, we're going to read this passage again today. And we find it uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. We read this last week, but I'm going to read it again. It reads like this. Then all of the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, You were the only one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be my shepherd, be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord and with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. This is a really cool moment. Again, a very significant moment in the story of Scripture. And like I mentioned last week, David goes from being a an important but marginal character in the life of Israel to its central figure. So one question uh, that I'm sure all of Israel was asking at this point is, how will David reign? What is he going to be like as a king? How will he use his power and his influence, the authority that we're giving him? 
And so I'd like for us, as a way to enter this story, I'd like for you to ask that same question of yourself. How, think for a moment, how do you handle situations when you are in a position of power or authority or influence? Think about how you relate to people in general in your life. All of us have these moments in our life, and it's really important how we respond. In fact, it's, we'll see it from David here that there's a couple of key ways that shapes who he is and how he does this. I think all of us can agree that few things are as disturbing as when we see someone of power or influence or authority leverage that power for their own benefit over and even to the neglect of other people, especially people that they're responsible for. On the other hand, I think there are a few things that are more inspiring than a leader who says no to him or herself for the sake of others around them. So I'm sure we can think of lots of examples of this, both good and bad. Uh, Some of our favorite stories are women and men of influence and power and, and authority, whether maybe it's a hero of the faith for us, a public figure, someone we've worked for, someone we've worked with, a family member, the list could go on. We can think of examples of this, both good and bad. Maybe some modern examples might be someone like, some, some good examples might be someone like Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr. or that one pastor at Crossview Church. Just kidding. You're all like Pastor Holly. That's Pastor Holly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep, there you go. She gave me a big thumbs up. <laughs> but, so first in this passage, we need, to rem- we need to look and remember here how the Lord's direction to David is remembered, how it's recalled. So I'm going to, let's focus down on verses 2 and 3, where it says this. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people, Israel, and you will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord and with all the elders of Israel. Now we just read through this fairly quickly, but this is significant. This is so different from other ways of leadership in that day. And we want to focus on these a little bit. So the designation of king is actually used a lot through this passage, the larger passage, but it's not used here, where it's describing the way that, that David will lead. The choice of words are different, and they're very important. David, we want you to be our shepherd, and we want you to be our leader. In other translations, this translation is the NLT, but in other translations, most other translations, it says we want you to be our prince which is an odd word to use at a coronation service of a king, right? We want you to be our shepherd. We want you to be our prince. This is an incredible moment, uh, an incredible moment for a coronation. Unlike Saul, the previous king, the language used grounds David in God's will and God's way and how God wants things to be. This should have an effect on us as well. Essentially, the leaders are asking David, Uh, Would you remember how you were raised? Would you bring to your reign all the lessons from your youth and your time in the wilderness? We want a shepherd king. We want a servant king. A shepherd is one who lives with the flock and cares deeply for the well-being of the sheep, right? Willing to risk his life and all that he has for the herd or the people, David, that's what we want. That's what we need. David's rule is intended to develop, to develop by nurturing his shepherding instincts uh, that he learned as a boy and the dependence on God that he had when he was growing up. We don't want you to be a domineering, op- oppressive, take advantage of the people 
to gain more power type of a leader. We want from the wilderness in Bethlehem, the shepherd from the wilderness in Bethlehem, and the teenager who helped depend on God in a very key moment with Goliath. We want a shepherd. Whoa, this is very, very different from the way that kings ruled back then and all the other kings around them. David, we want you to be different. It's powerful. They use this word, the second word, of a prince. The idea of a prince is a powerful one as well because a prince is one who emerges out of the ranks of the people, leads from within, not like Saul who is a king imposed upon them. You are one of us, David. You come from us. You know where we, our story, you know our language, you know our culture. David, you will reign for the betterment of your people and your nation, not for your own benefit because you are one of us. Eugene Peterson writes this, As David begins his reign as king over Israel and Judah, the leaders tell him, in effect, be our prince, don't change into a power-hungry king who imposes his will on the people, and be our shepherd. Don't change into an ego-driven king who uses the people as fodder for his self-importance. What a moment. David, we want you to be king, but we want you to be a king like no other king around us, like no other king that we've ever had before. We want someone who serves us like a shepherd and who is one of us, part of our story. (laughs) This is a really cool thing. When all the elders of Israel from all the tribes gather and they hand David power in this moment, David shows his greatness because it's in this moment that it seems like David actually does apply everything that he's learned from his youth and from his time in the wilderness, from all of his life experiences. I wonder if in this moment, David is kind of taken aback a little bit. Maybe taken aback in what they're asking, and taken back to his childhood. A much simpler time, a meaningful time for him. That being a shepherd in the wilderness. One commentator wrote this, This alternative way of exercising power, not through brute domination, but through caretaking, signals a radical shift for David and the people. David's mission is not simply to hold power, but to steward that power on behalf of God's people. Think about it this way. They're handing him all this power. David is, in this moment, holding all the cards. This is what they've asked from him. But in this moment, his word is law. He has all the influence. He hears what they're asking. And in this moment, the text tells us that not only does he agree to this way forward but that David makes a covenant with them. Look at how he responds to this. This is amazing because he has all the power in this moment. And this is amazing because he takes this power and he makes a covenant. Though he, may, he agrees to be in relationship with the people the way that God has primarily agreed to be in relationship with people throughout the, the whole story of Scripture. A covenant. Remember that the covenant is an agreement of relationship. I will do this, and you will do that. David, from the get-go, decided to pattern his way of doing things, pattern his rule, his behavior, on the way that God does things. Incredible. <laughs> this is an immediately a good sign, right, for the people and for David. And it was completely unnecessary for David to do it this way. He made this choice. He makes a covenant. Not only did he pattern his behavior after God, but it also signals his surrender to God as king. Powerful realizations here. By making a covenant, David is recognizing in public, saying it publicly, that he would be a king under authority. 
that he would be surrendered to the way that God has always done things. His, this is his way of saying, I am a king, but I am not the king. And I'm going to do it God's way. David embraced this life as a shepherd king, a shepherd ruler. And part of why we know this is because he later, he wrote one of the most well-known and powerful psalms in all of the book of Psalms, Psalm 23. You know it, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake and on it goes. David understood this idea deeply of what it meant to be a shepherd and a shepherd king. The shepherd boy of Bethlehem becoming the servant king of Israel. Wow. Incredible. How do you use the influence that you've been given? How do you use the power and the authority that you have in this world? Whatever context that is, do you give up what you could use for your gain as a commitment to the way that God does things, to serve and lift up other people. David did this. In 2 Samuel 8, verse 15, a few verses later, that says this about David. So David reigned over all Israel and did what was just and right for all his people. Wow. This type of leadership is incredible and it's hard. <laughs> but here's the thing for you and me. If you are a follower of Jesus... It's not enough to only be inspired by the way that David has chosen to lead or be inspired by the idea that we've been asked for, to do here in Scripture. And here's why I say that. Because a thousand years after this moment that we're talking about in David's life, about 20 miles north from the town of Hebron, in the city of Jerusalem, Jesus would model this very same type of leadership in a most unusual way. And I want to continue to connect the idea that Jesus comes from this line of David, right? The Apostle John, who was with Jesus, he was an eyewitness to all of the things. He tells us about this incredible moment in his book. It was just before the Passover and the Passover festival, right? Which was a celebration. We've talked about this, which is a celebration, recognizing the moment that God delivered uh, the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. Freedom, right? This was a big celebration for the Jewish people, and in a very important moment, this would be Jesus' last Passover celebration with his disciples before his crucifixion. Jesus and his disciples are all gathered together in what we know as the upper room for this, pad, this last Passover meal together. And as they're finishing up the Passover meal, John says this. And he says that somehow Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Jesus knows that in a few hours from this meal, he's going to be arrested, that he's going to be put on trial, and that he'll eventually be crucified. There are so many parallels to this moment of Jesus and his disciples and this coronation moment that we were seeing in David's story. Like David, Jesus has been anointed by God, but not recognized for who he truly is in the wider world. Like David during this celebration, Jesus is about to begin a brand new covenant it's not a covenant between God and the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus would, at this meal, introduce a brand new covenant, the new covenant. He would initiate a brand new relationship between God and all of humanity, not just the Jewish people. This is unbelievable stuff. It has so much meaning for you and for me and for everyone. Look at what it says in John 13, 3. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him 
authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. In this moment, Jesus has all the power. He's holding all the cards. His word is law. Sound familiar? (laughs) And he recognizes that God has put all things under his authority. This is a, a coronation moment of sorts for Jesus. Now here's the question. What do you do when you're the king? What do you do when you're the most powerful or most influential person in the room? What do you do when you've got the whole world in your hands? Like David did, like Jesus does. The text tells us, So Jesus got up from the table. He took off his robe. He took off all of the outward signs of his power and influence and position. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. And he poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel around him. He does this in the moment when he has all authority in heaven on earth. The disciples, they couldn't believe it. There's so much emotion in this moment. In fact, Peter is going to say, no, he's going to try to stop Jesus. No, you can't do this. We have people for that, right? We have servants for that. In fact, there are people of lower status who don't matter or mean as much to do that work. Jesus, put your clothes back on. Pastor Holly and I had talked a little bit about this uh, idea of different, the different status of people in this culture, which is kind of hard for us to get, but it adds so much power to this, uh, this moment of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Something that we don't necessarily have in our culture. But Jesus is essentially doing something that someone of lower value should be doing. You're not about to do what it looks like, right, Jesus? You're not about to wash our feet. You're the rabbi. You're our teacher. You're above all of us. We've seen what you can do with those hands, and now you're about to use those hands to wash the dirt from our feet. And I wonder, we can just imagine, maybe as they're struggling with this, Jesus smirking (laughs) as he washes their feet, ignores what they're saying. And after all of that, he poured the water in the basin, it says, and he began to wash their feet, drying them with this towel that he had wrapped around him. And after he was all done, he put his robe back on and he sat down. And I wonder if he had a silly grin on his face or if anyone said a word. Maybe it was an awkward moment. What do we do now? (laughs) I wonder if they were processing what just happened. Jesus had just preached the most powerful lesson that he would preach to that group by example. He had done something that is one of those moments that would not be forgotten and it would leave a lasting impression. And Jesus said to them, after washing their feet, he put his robe on again. He sat down and said, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, listen, everyone. In those moments, you think you're something. Maybe when someone hands you the proverbial keys to the kingdom, when they show you maybe to the corner office, when you get the opportunity of a lifetime, when they set some type of crown on your head in that moment, Look for someone's feet to wash. 
This is what we do. (laughs) This is who we are. Our story has always been one of redemption and renewal, where we are not the central figure, but God is. Amen? (laughs) For someone in your life, you are a person who wears the crown. Maybe you're a father. Maybe you're a mother, a husband, a wife. You're a manager, an owner. Maybe you're the captain of a team. Maybe you're just on a team. (laughs) Maybe you're a big brother or a big sister. You're a board member. You're a scheduler. You're an admin assistant. But whatever it is, you have influence and authority for someone. Jesus doesn't give us the choice. We are to embrace the greatness that David learned and leaned into in his coronation moment and the way that Jesus modeled this for us in the upper room with the disciples, that we leverage our authority and influence for the benefit of other people and the glory of God's kingdom here on earth. (laughs) It is how we live. It is how we think. To lift others up, to show like To show them love like maybe they've never experienced before. You are not worthless. You are everything to me and to the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is what David learned in the desert. And this is what Jesus models for us and his disciples. And if you follow Jesus, this is who we are and how we live. Because after all, even Jesus who had all authority over all things, he didn't come to be served but to serve. And history tells us that that kind of love and selfishness changed the world once with a small group of people. And perhaps it can again. When it dawns on you and me that we have the power, the authority, the influence, and we can use that to love others in a significant way. Look for more feet to wash, whatever that looks like for you. Look for a way to leverage what you've been given for the benefit of other people in the room. Show this shepherd characteristic of David and the deep love of Jesus. I love this. Another commentator and author who I read this week wrote this. Just as we end together, worship team, would you come on back up? What slays me, he writes about this story, Jesus and the disciples, is that Jesus, with all his power, takes the most menial, ordinary, and uh, unmentionable act of service and fills it with such love that 2,000 years later, we still can't get over it. The question for you and me is how are we going to do the very same thing for people in our lives and in our spheres of influence? What a question. Let's pray together.